0: This is Matthew Blevins from I-29 Comedy (laughs) Productions, and my kids are fucking dumbasses. Oh,
1: fuck yeah. (laughs)
0: So how does this work? Am I? I'm I'm your guest. I shouldn't have to carry this. My you, back already hurts. I'm
1: incredibly sleepy, so this is gonna be fun. Um, I uh, I took a nap after listening to the book. Uh huh. It was a nice nap. Fantastic. Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, it was a meditative nap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Where you where you're thinking about all the emotions and thoughts you're processing, but then you also go, "It's three in the afternoon. It's my Saturday. I'm, I'm I'm gonna take a nap."
0: Sure, sure. Yeah. I imagine you're constantly processing emotions. Like surprisingly, yes, but yeah. it's been getting better. Uh, yeah. What you need is like a producer to ride the levels on your emotional like well. We call that therapy.
1: You know, you call yeah. it a therapist, yeah. a therapist right? Therapist, yeah. Okay. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you guys still talking about me exclusively in all of your sessions, or how's that going? I for I don't you? think I've mentioned you once, and I that's I, bullshit. I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way that I'm not responsible no. for at least like an underlying
1: murmur of your trauma Blevins, levels. I don't think about you I'm I'm <laughs> sorry <laughs> you don't enter
0: this that's that's a dirty lie you know I'm a surrogate father to you so that's a great way to introduce me as- um
1: by the way welcome to <laughs> running the light a uh, podcast where I talk about comedians uh, talk to comedians about the comedians they're inspired by uh, from all over the nation and today we have local boy Matt Blevins, um, here to talk with us today that's- sure. Yeah. I resent your, you your
0: local boy thing though. I, I, uh, I feel that was, a, I was slightly local, condescending. How about
1: a local big boy? <laughs> <laughs> I am wearing my local big boy pants. Yeah. That's pretty mm, sure. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. All right. Fair yeah. enough. I almost wore my, uh, my brother's off shirt. So this was with your Ramon shirt. It would have been, would have been nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah. just, uh, Oh,
1: I'm wearing a Johnny cash shirt. That also, feels yeah. Just I just mean,
0: fitting. of course, dude, you've, you've, I mean, how many affectations are you wearing right now?
1: It's fall. I get to wear plaid now. This right, is right, right. It's Chip. Um, I just love the little. On your person, though, how many, how many necklace. different affectations do you have? I guess I have you the little you necklace. You, you have the necklace. Uh, do, you, do you have a Zippo in your pocket? I, not only do I have a Zippo, I have one that Tyler Walsh gave me.
0: Oh, see, now this this has history to it.
1: See, it, Tyler Walsh gave me a leather covered Zippo. Uh huh. For Corn Cob Nation. Okay um, because we both smoke corn cob pipes. And he also invited me to a corn cob group on Facebook. Um, I check into that before you just go leaping into in with it. Cornhole first. Yeah. Cornhole first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know me, I'm always cornhole first. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> keep me, away, keep me away, guys. I'm cornhole first. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm. But, uh, I just have the lighter and the, the the uh, wallet and the necklace and of course a pipe
0: uh huh yeah that's it okay
1: so you haven't added any any no.
0: more accessories since
1: the Not last really. time I saw you okay no.
0: <laughs> that's good
1: yeah <laughs> 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 uh, oh so fun times what have you what have you been doing this
0: week Blevins what have I been doing this week like okay um last week was a big one because I had two rotten apple shows for Applejack weekend uh there in nebraska city so we we i-29 comedy productions usually produces one smooth
1: name drop by the way right see I,
0: I this isn't my first fucking rodeo i know how to get the plugs in but i-29 comedy productions you've heard of us obviously everyone <laughs> has um we produce shows over all over omaha lincoln and nebraska city uh this weekend we had shows in uh the rotten apple saloon in nebraska city to celebrate the uh, great holiday of Arbor day. So that was,
1: uh, Oh yeah, that did happen.
0: Yeah, yes. Right. Or no Applejack. Good grief. Um, uh, it was Applejack weekend. We had two shows festival. So usually 70,000 people coming into into Nebraska city for Applejack weekend. Um, I got, uh, 10 of those 70,000 hey, to come that's, that's to solid. my comedy
1: show. That is, you said 7,000 or 70,000? 70, 70,000. Okay, so cool. So you got, um, you got a like, percentage. Like you got a, a percentage. Like a
0: statistically insignificant amount of people came to our comedy that's blur, shows. That's a
1: blurb on your poster.
0: A statistically right, right, right. insignificant amount. Right, and five of them for the Friday show were ridiculously drunk. Right. Yeah. It was. I, I would assume. It was. It was Nebraska City. What are you going to do? Right. But, of course. I mean, it, it's not always that rough, but uh, I every every comic had to basically engage in a fist fight. Uh, like a metaphorical fist fight with the audience just to- uh,
1: As opposed to a real fist fight. Right, that fists. happened later. Yeah. Yeah,
0: so. Yeah. Um, yeah, other than that, I don't, I don't know. It, I, I had five spots last week, but I'm hard-pressed to remember where in the I, heck they I've were I've been
1: all. having a few spots this week, too. Like, I think I'm, like, in the last two weeks, I've had, like, three or four, maybe five, and I don't remember. Right. It's, uh, it's just
0: kind of a blur- uh, especially when I have to drive an hour to be in right. all the spots, but,
1: uh, I did a, we almost did a show in South Dakota. Uh-huh. We drove, uh, these oh, po- the Sioux Falls thing that fell Sioux- through, that y- fell through. Oh, did, head. uh, did Tony tell you this one? No, I, I just saw it on Facebook and I'm like, that's so sad. So yeah, we drove up, uh, it, the whole cast was for the show was David Kalsgaard, a regular, uh, uh, co-host of the show. Sure. Maura Gillen, who's also been on the show a couple of times. Actually, she was hosting our Friday show. That, nice. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, and then me, we all drove mm-hmm. together. Um, and then we got up there. The show was originally going to be at eight and then went to six to so we can get done before the debate. Mm-hmm. And then I got bumped to 630 and then we waited till 750. No, not 750, 650 and no one showed. And then they said, hey, I guess the show's canceled. Um... And so we left, and then we drove down to where's that city in Iowa that I keep forgetting it has the hard rock casino in it
0: uh Sioux Falls, Sioux Falls is South Dakota. oh,
1: so we went to Sioux Falls, South Dakota and Sioux city? Sioux went to Sioux City, Sioux Iowa city. yeah, I get the sure. mixed up yeah, uh, and then we did an open mic there, uh-huh, and it was super fun. There was only like uh there were like four performers at the open mic, and then we jumped on, and I was just a blast, yeah. Um, and then I hosted Cameron Logston's show and that was a lot of fun, but last night was a more weird and fun experience I want to talk about. Okay. Well, it was a fast and fresh. Okay. And it was, uh, um, it was, a, it was a fun lineup. We had, um, we, uh, we had Alec Kareem. Uh, nope. Oh, we did not. Uh, Alec Kareem couldn't make it. We had, uh, Keonez Berry, we had David uh, Terrell Green, we had Andy Sada, we had some improv at the end. It was a lot of fun actually. And oh, so they started doing improv at the end of Fast and Well, Freshness, because we had, an empty, we had an empty oh, spot, sure. so they just did some improv and it was like, it was kind of fun. And I was the first one up. Um, it wasn't until two minutes before the show started, the room was empty. And then two people walked in two minutes before the show started and Keith said, I guess we're doing a show and went, fuck yeah, this is gonna be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get up and I do my set. I'm the first one. Two more people come in they all sit together. Mm -hmm. So I I look around uh, and I see that there's a plastic chair next to the stage. I pick it up. I sit down on the chair and I just have a casual conversation with the four while still doing my jokes, but making it more like a uh, casual conversation. Not worried about the laughter because when there's only four people, you can only... Sure. Really and I think so that's much. a good philosophy for you
0: to carry forward in all of your comedy endeavors is not, to worry, about the not laughter. to worry about the
1: laughter. Yeah. But it's, it was fun. Like it just felt intimate and fun and silly. And I just had a blast and that was one of my, one of my favorites in a while. I just loved doing it. And I did one of Don Seeger's shows, um, the one at the pumpkin patch and I, whose name I, I forget, best chili dogs I've ever had in a while. And it was a great venue. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I heard Tyler Walsh give his best opening. It was, have you ever drank some pizza Sangria and not give a fuck? And it was perfect. Tyler Walsh is a great, like, huge, tall, cowboy-type guy, just not giving a fuck, and it was a fun time.
0: Sure. I heard that
1: that, was that the same one that Tony was on? Yes. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of people to that one either, but right. it was fun. Cause there was a, they were polite. I heard they were quite polite. Right. It was, it was nice. Um, there was a high school football game uh, and you can't compete with that. No, no, absolutely no, no, you can't. Um, especially cause it was homecoming week. So I mean, that's, that's a holiday, right? It's a national holiday there in that city. Um, but uh, it uh like, I don't know, comedy, when it's going great, it's going great. And even in small shows, it can be a lot of fun. That's what I love. I like little small things, uh, little small uh shows. Sure. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, is Throne was always a fun show. Oh, Wrench's Throne was always fun through the hard way. It was always kind of small and fun and mm-hmm. got weird. And those are shows that we and I have both done Uh where they were just like small to a small group of people um, or And it wasn't so much about
0: that. We loved the intimacy of working with small rooms. It's just that we were really shitty at promoting our shows.
1: Oh no, no, no. This, this all comes from, yeah, it's hard to promote. (laughs) 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 Um, I'm learning that every day with the podcast every day, right? Every day.
0: It's constant work. It's constant effort. Like producing shows is no joke. I, uh, I feel like I work harder at that side of comedy than I've been able to actually work on my stagecraft and everything lately. But, uh, you know, finding that balance and um, finding the um, time to, you know, raise a family. I have dumbass kids at home. Yeah, you
1: stuff, do. Right? Yeah, you do have kids that right. I can't call dumbasses. Well, you can if you want to. I mean, to. it's it, this feels like one of those things that you can call them a dumbass, but I can't call them a dumbass
0: They're, they're, they're not dumbasses. I, you know, I, I say that, uh, in, in, with with
1: jest, with
0: jest, Yeah, Uh,
1: I'm being facetious as it were. I too went to college or (laughs) took a college class. I too saw a college. You you saw a college. I saw a picture of a college. (laughs) Someone told me what a college was. You looked up college in a dictionary one time. I did. Mm -hmm. I looked up college in, in a dictionary. one time And I got the gist of it. Right. So that's where you to get fat lips. I don't, I don't, I was like, I was like, what's the next step down? What's the next step we're, down right. is looking called. <laughs> that
0: was pretty much it.
1: Yeah. That was a fun riff. That, I was, like, that, was, good. that yeah, was good. That was good.
0: Yeah. 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 That's why we were such a, a great, uh, dynamic. We
1: uh, were a team. T- a team. Let's just call it a team. A team. Yeah, that's not a great deal. T- we were a team.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I had a fun time at the last three, the hard way that, was that fun. we did the, the reunion show there. It wasn't
1: like, it was by the way, we don't mean last as an oh, the one that just happened. No, 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 no. We mean the final, the final, <laughs> no, the absolute final. <laughs> final three, the
0: hard, yeah. There, there will be no There'll reunion. Be no, more, like, no. Yeah, we're done. It, <laughs> like, like it was like, uh, it was kind of like going, uh, and hanging out with your, with your ex wife and, and you, you're like, Oh,
1: that's why this shit didn't work out. The I first forget time. that I hate hosting. Like I oppose it. Like I, I'm. I like I said, I'm a quite of an anxious person. Sure. So I focus on all the stuff before I go on, and I it just hits me like a brick, and I go, I'd rather just go on and tell five minutes of jokes and walk out. Well, I understand completely. Because hosting
0: hosting is about facilitating a good time and facilitating a good show. And we're kind of all about validating our own egos. And so you don't necessarily get to do that right away.
1: Yeah, or like if you're so nervous about every little small detail. Right. it's it's rather worry about like five different things, or just worry about the five minute set you're doing, or the fifteen minute set you're doing, and just hyper focus on that. For sure, there's a Which lot is, of moving pieces in a, a hosting gig, dude. Um, I've some say give up. Everyone tells me give up. Right? <laughs> yeah, I assume it's because they mean give up hosting. That's uh, what they mean. No, I think they just mean life in general, Jeremy. <laughs> Uh,
0: no, but I've been doing a lot of hosting at the, the comedy loft and working with the features that come through there and are gracious enough to give me actual advice. It's been kind of illuminating because like, uh, Oh, I recently worked with Alan Bromwell, who's a great comedian out of Denver. And one of his bits of advice about hosting is, is that when you're in a local comedy scene, you only get to watch other locals host. Right, and so we pick up all these bad habits from each other. We don't really know what good
1: hosting looks like, or at least I don't know what the hell. I it's learned supposed a lot of my like. hosting tips from Dusty. Sure, yeah, uh, he's at the open mic for sure, because uh, Dusty Dusty style is a uh, he. He hosted the uh, Barley Street Open Mic for seven years now. Yeah. About seven years. Yeah. I I just agreed enthusiastically. I remember the Facebook post. Like, I don't remember the number, but I think it's on seven years. It's one of our oldest. And Dusty has a very specific hosting style, which is he gets on. Yep. He maybe does one sentence. Mm -hmm. He says the name he moves on. Right. Dusty knows that he is not the star. He is here to get the gears all oiled up. He right. is here to get the, the show moving. And I re- I've always respected Dusty for, for that. For sure. Dusty, since, uh, if you're listening, one, thank you for listening. Two, <laughs> this, thank you. Thank yeah, you for giving me that, uh, that good habit. <laughs> yeah.
0: He, ca- he talked me down from a panic attack before uh, the Sam Talent show that yeah. uh, we put on. He's just like, dude,
1: it's all in your head. Nobody cares. No one cares. Right. Like a, a good casual reminder. It's like, no one gives a shit. No. No, yeah. I want that to sink in a little bit. <laughs> just a casual reminder. Just remember, nothing we do matters. No. It, I host a podcast right, in Omaha. Right. I got sad for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, like um, yeah, my week's been been pretty great. It's been fall, so I'm excited for the season changing. Sure, I love that crisp air. We're, we're uh, talking about leaves now. This is going fantastic. Not totally, leaves, just the weather. Just the weather. Okay, just I get the it. weather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then this week, like, works been works been going good. Like, sure. I don't know. Like, nothing outside of comedy. It's just been like nothing. Like, everything else has been fit, like going like smoothly. And the only thing that's been like changing has been like I've been writing more jokes, retooling jokes more less than rewriting them. Is like figuring out new endings, finding jokes that are less shock, like less hacky and more uh, about me more. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I noticed the last time that I saw you do comedy that you're uh, you're getting a little better at it. So.
1: (laughs) Well, good. That's the goal. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I like that. I like that. I'm not shit. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say that. I said you were getting a little better at it. All right. Fair. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. I I respect that. (laughs) (laughs) What else is going on this
0: week? I, I resigned as a scout leader uh, last thought, week, do you actually have to
1: go through a residing process or do you just not show no. up to the
0: meeting? Well, I, I had to a, kind of submit, uh, kind of, a, an email to let okay. everybody know that I can't, I can't do it anymore. I was running out of time because I would always have all of these obligations and right. everything comedy related, which I kind of feel like a piece of shit now because it's like, yeah, I don't have enough time to, to hang out with, uh, my kids and foster all of these other kids, uh, you know, and teach them about pocket knives and shit because I'm I'm facil- or I'm I'm trying to uh, build my my burgeoning comedy career. So if that's yeah. not the most selfish shit I've ever heard, so it took me a little while. I had to contend with that a little bit and and figure out how I felt about it all. But uh, the thing is, is I put in my time. Uh, I was I was a scout leader for five years, and uh, I I mean I went that's through that's good. That's time enough, right? I put yeah. in my time and shoot, I went through, I went through health issues. I went through daily shots at the hospital through through being a scout leader. I went through a divorce while being a scout leader. And so now that's the end of this era. Uh, But now I don't have that to lean on to illustrate. It's like, no, I'm not a piece of shit and a selfish person because I'm I'm a scout leader. Now I have nothing
1: I, I, I mean, you were just a selfish person who right. was also a scout leader. That's how I viewed you. That's how you view. Okay. as a okay. dick who just, yeah, he's also a scout leader. Like, so that like, didn't earn me any karma no, points it's or like, anything I don't, like that. Shitty people can still donate to charity. Like, I don't,
0: <laughs> but this was, this was time commitment. I was standing in front of kids and, you know, teaching them a, like how to put tents together. And did you?
1: <laughs> Actually, uh, I think I'm I feel like ju- the time it's like your your beginning and ending of that instruction is read the instructions and then you fucked off. Is that not an important life lesson? Is that
0: not what your boss is going to tell you to do at work? Just like read the instructions and then he goes and fucks off. That's how that's how life works. I mean, yeah, kids but should that's know less that. Of
1: a t- that's less of a time commitment than like anything else. <laughs> so like. I could have done that. <laughs> I I don't think you could have, Jeremy Plum. I I, no, I was a substitute teacher for a minute. These uh, kids would have eaten life. you alive, man. I was a Catholic school religious ed teacher. What? Yeah, I taught. I was 18. Okay. I had no teaching experience. Okay. I knew people at the church, and they said, hey, we'll give you 10 bucks an hour to uh, teach these kids how to say their Hail Marys. And I went, cool, how long do I have to work? An hour. <laughs> and... It was terrible, I hated it.
0: Were you anyone's favorite? Were you like the, I don't know, like in those 90s movies where the cool teacher comes in and and reaches these kids through hip hop music and stuff like that?
1: No, two fourth graders uh, thought I was a piece of shit and thought they could like draw better than me. And I accidentally hit one of them. I've seen your drawings. The fourth graders probably (laughs) could. (laughs) <laughs> I, I act. Okay. Here's how that accidentally hit. I had the, you know, those big pointing, uh, those big pointing sticks. Yeah. They used to point at the board. I was teaching the Holy Trinity, yada, yada, yada. And the two kids were talking and I went, okay, guys, be quiet. And they kept talking and I go, okay, guys, be quiet. And I turn around, but I forgot I have the stick in my head, a hand and on the back of the head. Sure. Uh, and then they stopped talking and I went, all right, cool. I, I now learn just like, that hitting a kid upside the head. You old, said it. Shut you're the, them the fuck up every time. I I can't say that. Why not? I shouldn't be. I should be the one who's not allowed to say that. Yeah, but you're tired and old. So I get right, it. Right. <laughs> I'm young and should know better. Okay. But I'm also tired. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stress this enough. I'm very, very tired. But I've also been reading a book. What, what book? Well, one I've been reading, uh, Travels with Charlie by Steinbeck. Um, getting through that, and I love it. Okay. Um, it, since I'm reading that now that I've been traveling, it, it gives me that sense of just wanting to travel again, and I love that feeling. See, I thought you were going to seamlessly segue into our topic today.
0: Not but then. Not, but yet, then you not were, yet. Okay. But, I, one but of that's like, what I thought you were yeah. doing,
1: and then you're like, "No, I read a book. No, but uh, one book <laughs> I didn't just read wanted was, to slip that into every conversation is comedy, uh, improv for story writers. Okay. Um, I read Impro for Theater when I was doing two years of improv at UNO Mm -hmm. with Ryan Hartigan. And uh, I picked up on accident the one for Storytellers. I want to get both because uh, stand-up comedy is, of course, a writing and a theatrical performance. Um, But uh, first book was – first part of it was just explaining about uh, improvs as a sport. And doing it in like a doing the formatting of improv in a sporting context, which is great. But I kind of skipped part of that to move on because it's written in parts. I'm into the second part, which is about dealing with audience rejection. Sure. Um, which is an important it, important, it, important <laughs> chapter for you. It is. I was waiting for that. But um, there was a couple of things he talked about, not just the bombing type of rejection, mm-hmm. but uh, what he called uh, by uh, um, Keith. Keith Johnson, I believe, is what it was. He um, talked about different types of rejection. One called A Comedy Hell, which uses, of course, the famous story of Robin Williams um, doing a set, and people were laughing so much, even at the setups, that he started just doing uh half-baked improv bits and he wasn't gaining anything. He didn't sure. feel like he was earning it. In fact, I think Steve Martin even mentions it in his book that we're gonna talk about in a right. little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, or even the idea of, and while watching Airplane today for the first time, not today, what? but uh, like a couple days ago for the first time. No kidding. Oh yeah, I loved it. But yeah. there was a part in it that I noticed and I think is also very important. The part of over laughter. If people are laughing mm. more in the beginning and less at the end, you're not giving them enough time to reprieve, enough time to kind of breathe. And in a five minute set, you don't have to think about that. Even in a 20, not as much. It's just for like when you're going for long stretches of time, but sometimes like the more famous jokes, the more rememberable jokes in Airplane, um, like the Don't Call Me Shirley uh, talking jive and jokes like that, were usually after scenes of semi-seriousness. Sure. of More expeditional scenes. And that's when they hit harder. Um, and it's been something I've been thinking about is that idea of like, when you're a newer comic, you have this joke per minute mentality. You have this, you want to be kind of rapid fire, or at least I am. And so, well, I mean, and a lot of times the only opportunities that
0: you have in the early stages are five minute opportunities. So you have to squeeze as many laughs as you possibly can into that five minute structure. Exactly.
1: Uh, but what the book was making me think about was more about the, as a structure, Mm -hmm. like, comics say, it's not about the laughs, is it the right laugh? And sometimes sure. they think about that mainly in contact uh, with, in terms of your writing content, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's about, uh, is it an exhaustive laughter? Are they laughing because of what you said some, you said fuck or you swore in the setup, or is it a well-crafted, are people engaged with you? Are people listening and- sure. Or do you just have a likable personality? Or you just have a likable personality. Right. Yeah, so like it's about engagement as well as, as, uh, making the funny noises. And I think that's it's something that's that's been resonating me as well. I've been adapting and updating jokes. So are you planning on actually taking mm, these lessons and no. applying them directly? Or is that just something that you've kind
0: of uh, absorbed into your overall thing and then it's just gonna come out naturally?
1: <sighs> I thought you were gonna be a dick and make no, a joke, dude. but no, that's a good question. Um. I think doing A leads to B, I hope.
0: Right. Right. Um, just take it all in, take it all in, take it all in. And then eventually it's just going to come out come as out a naturally. part of you because it's it's integrated into who you are.
1: I've noticed I've partly done that. Like there's a joke I say for the end about losing my grandma. Mm-hmm. Um, it's after a se- I put it uh, right before a bunch of uh, setups that are a lot more quicker. Mm-hmm. And then put at the end, it's a reprieve after a 20 minute set. So you go in and then it leads up to the punchline, which lends gives it a little bit more of a kick. Now, that's not to say some people were confused that with doing a minute-long story for one punchline. Right? Uh, no, that's not what this means. Sure. But what it means is, as we talked about in the Gary Goldman special and we talked about now, it's about making your words matter, making your time matter. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully over the course of writing, it shows. Granted, it may not show again in a five to 10-minute set, but it should show in a longer one. Well, I think just having that attitude, and just like I said, just integrating that
0: into who you are as a comic, because we have a long, long way to go. Before, oh God, yes, yeah. Uh, Where I'm, I'm three and a half years in. You're
1: four, what, four, yeah, four. So four and a half ish.
0: Four and a half ish. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I'm not good with math. Sure, it's obvious, right? Yeah. Um. But yeah, or I comedy. <laughs> but um I did think part of the, the being natural and wanting to engage is why I liked the Fast and Fresh show so much. Because mm-hmm. it was just more like I wanted this this time with the audience where the focus was here, and we were just having a moment. And sure. I think that worked while still focusing on the jokes that I've, I know frontwards and backwards.
0: Yeah, that's what I loved about uh, about the three the hard way shows is that there was such an ephemeral quality to what we were doing at the time. It couldn't be repeated. Nobody else could share in that experience. It just happened then, right? And that's what was so much fun about it. And it, I mean, it taught it, it taught uh, me a lot of lessons about how to be present and funny in the moment, and not worry about whatever the hell it was I was going to say and just trust that something was gonna happen that would engage with people.
1: Exactly. Um, Which it never did. (laughs) Well, that comes from talent, but but one thing, uh, yes, you can come with this, like fast and fresh, I'm gonna use an example. I had jokes in there. I used my jokes that I've been saying before, new and old, uh, because it was a group of four, I didn't buy the fast and fresh mentality. I just went like, you know what? I'm gonna get these people trying to lighten up and go so we can have the other people go as well. Um, but the intimate quality was in between jokes, instead of doing a segue, I would just talk to them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like it's still part of the reality of the joke, still part of the uh thing without being hacky or without being like, Hey, where are you from? Right, what's your job? Like, no, it was just more like uh um I I did a weird joke. I did the Catholic joke and I led into the STD joke. And I acknowledged that, yeah, there's no transition here. I acknowledged stuff like that. And that made it feel better and without having to worry about it. I then ended on a joke that didn't have an ending yet because I didn't have enough time. So I kind of let the music be the punchline on that one. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't, it it wasn't my most professional thing I could have done, but it was the one that. me and the audience both felt happy at the moment. It's like a another improv thing is you you find the you find the choice, you commit to the choice, and you make the choice the reality of the situation, and have fun with it. Sure. Some call it the game, but the game makes it thing like something you need to win, and I don't. I don't like that. I like this is going to I like the choice because it's a something you do. It doesn't make you a winner or a loser. Sure. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. that's what I think. This is what I think about after neurotic episodes. Yeah. Well, this yeah, is yeah, a neurotic yeah. episode. Isn't your life one continuous neurotic episode? Oh, no, that's episode. the title. This is a neurotic this is a, episode. Neurotic,
0: <laughs> that's a good title.
1: Boom, out of the fucking park. <laughs> <guys>. <laughs> Maybe we can both get our dad issues straightened out by the end. No. All right. <laughs> no. We only have like an hour, hour and a half max, and oh, now we only have time for my dad. Oh, issues. shit. I thought I was living here now. This- no, but I, I do like this house. It's we'll yeah. sad when Richard moves. I'm going to be so sad. Yeah. <laughs> this I is like a nice place, basement. Man. Uh, dude, It's also a nice basement. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be so much what? It used to be so much cooler. With all the stuff in it? Yeah, I yeah, know. I missed the wall of knickknacks. Yeah. Knickknacks and films. Oh, he had a wall of films? Oh, uh, like, I... like a bookcase of films. VHS, a, DVDs, some nice blue rays. collection.
0: Did you have some nice Criterion collection?
1: Oh, yeah, see. I'm excited for the Godzilla Criterion collection actually with the 15 Showa films. I'm really excited oh, for that. Oh, sure. That's a fantastic. Well, that's coming box on in like set. 2 weeks. I need no to go kidding. pre-order that. Also, if uh, if anyone's
0: listening, I uh oh, they're not. But um uh, if <laughs> I'm getting married next month and uh and you know, there's there's an Ingmar Bergman box set of all of his films on Blu-ray at uh, Barnes & Noble, so, you know,
1: You know, there's also four pint glasses, a set of four at Walmart for four bucks. Guess what you're getting from (laughs) me? I'm sorry, yeah. did it, I invited you? Yeah, on Facebook, which uh, was a little tacky, but I liked it. No, that's not
0: tacky, actually. That's
1: smart. We're
0: uh, we're in the modern era that's now. That's fair. Right, I mean, what-
1: I will also give you a, uh, a one condom and a little sticky note that says, act surprised. I don't need a condom. <laughs> um,
0: I got a vasectomy last November. I'm firing consequence-free loads. So I don't need that. You can keep it.
1: You're uncomfortable too, Rich,
0: because <laughs> I'm- <laughs> See, he knows about the consequence Freelands. free you. You know, if, if this but is only a, one place to put them though. So it's like, I'm getting married. I'm firing consequence. I'm, it
1: doesn't, I'm going to level with you. If, if this is a neurotic episode, wasn't a banger pun, right? Consequence, consequence free, loads free loads would be the other episode, but this is a neurotic episode is, uh, <laughs> well, That is perfect? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, we don't do puns here on the show that often, but when we do mm. impeccable. impeccable, impeccable, impeccable.
0: I wish I had a funny pun to drop right now, but I think pun humor is abhorrent. Just wordplay.
1: If you like words, then basically the Phantom Toll Booth. Do you like the Phantom Toll Booth? Then you like puns. That's pretty much the the end of it. Beginning and end of that. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, and then the other book, of course, I read was Born Standing Up. Uh-huh. Um, I I'd, I'd spent the entire month kind of re- uh, listening to it, taking it slow, reading it. Uh, unlike other books, sometimes where I would get it done in a week. Mm-hmm. This one, I, I've been taking it quite slow. I actually like it. It was one of the books, my first week of comedy, I rented it at the library at UNO. <laughs> you rented it at the just, library. I just think that's not the word. That's just, not like, how libraries work. I checked it out. Checked it out. I uh, checked it out. Used the Dewey Decimal. Yeah, and I never yeah, got to finish know. it, but now I'm glad I did. Oh, um, sure. Yeah, I, uh, why did you, I asked you, of course, to pick, then you picked this. Mm-hmm. Um, why did you pick this? Um I think that uh, because it resonates with me as a comic
0: uh, more than any book that I've read so far it uh, talks about the type of childhood that a comic's going to go through that builds that kind of disposition and um I saw myself in a lot of the pages not because I can compare myself to Steve Martin in any no, way and you shouldn't. no but uh, I think I think that the that that Steve Martin's journey was kind of um uh <laughs> there there were probably a lot of elements to that uh to his story that would resonate with any person in the creative arts period, not uh, just the, comedy.
1: Without sending cliche, the father issue, the um, right. um um finding father figures in the arts, like through uh like the magician and stuff like that. Right. Um, Hit the magician, the Disneyland clerk. Latching, the... latching onto any creative endeavor. Sure. I think is something that I think any artist will do. Well, I'll tell you where it had me from the beginning, and
0: I, I knew that it was that that it was going to really hit with me is yeah. uh, that when he was talking about his childhood, he talked about how he innately knew because of his mother's response to something that it was dangerous to express one's own true opinion. That was the the part that's like, oh shit! I kind of grew up with that entire mindset. It was dangerous to express your true opinion about things. You had to bury that shit, and you had to. Uh, you know, let it manifest itself through anxiety and through whatever. But what you did not do was you did not tell anyone the truth. And that's, I mean, that's uh, textbook codependent bullshit that that I think a lot of us grow up with. But um, I think that uh, growing up with that feeling that it's dangerous to express your opinion is I don't know. Maybe that's why some of us gravitate towards comedy because that's the that's the one place where you're. I mean, that's what you're expected to do, and uh, that's why. Say
1: your opinion, especially the era that uh, the new age of comedy that uh, Martin was talking about with the uh, like the Carlin era of just speaking your opinion and putting politics into it.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And but even it didn't have to be overtly. Not uh, political, but right. Not yeah. not necessarily not necessarily political. Not necessarily even the uh, the idea that I'm expressing my actual opinion about something because there's always going to be a comedic conceit. But uh, the the idea that it's like. Whatever you're feeling, it's dangerous for you to let that out. That's what I grew up in. I, I kind of had a, a very repressed upbringing in that regard where I'm still kind of conquering those demons and I'm still trying to wade through those waters. But, um, you know, I think comedy gave me a, an outlet for expression to where it's like I'm allowed to say whatever I want without fear of repercussion. And yeah. And uh, so when I started comedy, a lot of people that knew me personally were kind of shocked because they didn't know I knew how to speak, let alone... Get up on a stage in and, front of people. And
1: comics who've seen you now know you don't know how to speak. So <laughs> they've all been listening to this podcast for the last thirty minutes, thirty four minutes and twenty yeah. seconds. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they all know. Yeah, but, uh, granted that, that that joke that we just said is going to mean jack shit. Right. Once after it does. Once it, the when, editing. Yeah. When Rich edits it, it's like, like it's, it's going to be. We're going to be two minutes into this podcast because all of the shit we said before was. It'll be even funnier useless. when you have me call in on like a phone and just do a really bad edit of me just saying 24 minutes (laughs) and that will that will make it funnier (laughs) because it's shit sure (laughs) but one of the most powerful
0: lines of that section when he was talking about his childhood upbringing is that uh, a complicated childhood can lead to the to a life in the arts arts. exactly yeah and i mean shit i i think we uh you and I probably have plenty of war stories about complicated childhoods, but...
1: Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, complicated family issues. Like, I uh, I mean, I, I could still have them to this day, and it's it just, yeah, we can back and forth this all day. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but again, only an hour and a half, and we only have time for my dad issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm 39 years old, and I'm
0: still working that shit out, so yeah. good luck to you.
1: Yeah, I'm 20, I'm 25 now, and uh, me and my daughter and it's, it's gonna be a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah, should probably rent a chair there, just make it mine, put a little plaque on it. Sure. Yeah. Here lies Jeremy Plum. He was here, I guess. It's gonna be covered in tear stains. Oh, uh, those are the only type of stains. Uh,
0: not the only, Jeremy Plum.
1: I fire consequence-free load stains all over oh. everything. <laughs> you know the only consequence free that you're free of is this child like if you right if you come on my rented couch there is still a consequence right that's okay. what i think is
0: complete bullshit about about vasectomies in the first place it's like can't you just shut it all down
1: like nobody wants the after effect especially if it's useless can you can you make it so my penis is like a type of sneeze where i'm about to sneeze but then i never sneeze right. i want that to be my dick yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um, good talk. Good talk. Uh, <laughs> one thing I was uh, noting, um, and I, I, I kind of, there was a line that he said. It was, it was. He started doing that, that built that. That he noticed the type of theory of people laugh when they think that's the punchline. Right. So he was talking about uh, building tension with
0: the setup and right. then releasing that tension with the with the punchline. But if you never release that tension. It'll if you don't, if you right, it has to come out somewhere.
1: Yeah, we call you, that edging, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> comedic edging, <laughs> comedic. Mm, that's another good title, but unfortunately, again, neurotic <laughs> episode, comedic edging. Yeah, I'm oh, that's just gross.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, he his whole theory was what if I had no punchline? I mean, which is something I've been working on for the last three and a half years inadvertently.
1: Yeah, well. Mm, it's just more like you don't know how to write a punchline, but yeah, no, I get where you are coming from. <laughs> that was the joke, you dumbass. <laughs> I explained on it. All right, um, but no, you see that you see that now a little bit more. You see that, of course, with um, he did the Mighty Mouse bit on SNL. Oh, Andy Kaufman. Thank you, Kaufman. Yeah, and you see a little, you see a, a continuation of some of these philosophies a little bit in William Street Production with uh, shows like Eric Andre, sure. Eric Andre show, and you see that, and it's such a very risky type of comedy. Sure. Um, but I, the thing about, in a good way, the thing about comedians, I don't
0: know if any of us necessarily have a conscious choice about the way we approach comedy. I yes. Mean, and no, I mean, you, I, you have Go to on. figure out how you have to figure out how it is that you're funny and you have to figure out how it is that you engage with an audience. Now, uh, if all of a sudden I realize that, Oh, this is a, this is a new way. I had never tried this before. And it's landing with people. It resonates with people. That's you know you you have to keep doing it it's like it's kind of like that guitar stick that I would do I would feel really shitty about it because I don't play guitar that well yep. and I would feel kind of bad about the the riffs because I didn't feel like they were as strong as they could be um but it would always get an audience reaction so I felt right. like I had to explore that further and so I like I said I don't
1: know if you I don't know if you get to choose I agree with you to a point like, I agree with you to the point where because of our natural ticks, our natural ways of conversation, and the way our minds works and what our minds gravitate to, there will be styles that we form through that. Like for me, one sure. writing style is I. I have a hard time thinking in mac, uh, micro to macro and macro to micro style jokes, like that riff we did about uh, college. I can't do that that's not a natural thing for me. I'm not great at that. Mm-hmm. I'm great at misdirection. I'm great at rules of three. That's, that's my lane. I like that lane a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and of course with me being over analytical of myself, of course, my joke writing is, uh, is very much structured. It's not very rambly. It's not very, uh, improv unless I'm doing just a little bit of crowd work. So what? But- I mean that kind of illustrates
0: my point yeah. of, to a degree because your your idiosyncrasies are going to carry through yeah. to your
1: your comedic approach and I'm um, there up until a wall and that mm-hmm. wall is uh we don't get to chewed a lot of it is going to happen innately but if you notice it like let's say uh, let's say for some reason my rules of three wasn't working like i'd say I'm, okay there in this book he he's pushing something he's pushing something people aren't getting it and at a certain point you uh, you rather try and fix what your habits are doing, mm-hmm. or you break it and try. You try something else. Like let's say after a while, not only did you hate the guitar bit, but it wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Right? That might have been something you you leaned to at a certain point. You might have engaged with that, but now you go. I rather reset and move on, sure. uh, or I really work on these guitar bits and I become really good. Um, and I'm reminded of a line in there, and it, it stuck out to me. Is uh, he was reading a bunch of bad reviews because of that? And he goes, But wait, let me tell you my theories. Sure. And there comes a point, and this wasn't a big plot point in the book or a big theme in the book, but it does remind me of this idea where you and I have talked to comics where we go, Hey, man, that joke's maybe, maybe we need to retool it. And they go, no, 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 let me explain to you why that's funny. Go, then you've already lost. Like you're sure. done. Like it's it's over now. <laughs> no one cares about your theories. No one cares about the uh, the craft. What we care about is Is it fun? Your
0: connection with the people.
1: Yeah, your and, connection.
0: Yeah. And, but I, I guess maybe maybe I'm completely wrong on my point too, because it took him uh, years of slogging it out in clubs and years of doing comedy before he even got to the point to where he's like, uh, he basically subverts the entire convention of setup punchline yes. and decides to branch out in this avant-garde kind of uh, approach to comedy. But maybe that's the natural conclusion too. So maybe maybe it took
1: those years of grinding out before he, he realized this is the only way I can do it. Yeah, it's, it's personal adapt or die, not because the world is making you adapt. It's because sure. uh, it's not working for me. Mm-hmm. Like micro to macro is a great joke writing style and I hope to learn it someday. Sure, I hope to learn what a punchline is as well. But until then, I'm going to have the shticks that I have and it's going to work until it doesn't. And then I hopefully I, I grow. Sure, and one thing that it could also is he said he wasn't happy doing the, the bef- like set up punchline. He wasn't. He didn't find engagement in that. It didn't feel. Uh, one thing I guess it kind of hints at is academically stimulating of doing set up punchline, set up punchline, and that's another thing. If you're doing stuff and it's not like tickling something in your brain. Yeah. And maybe, and maybe I'm completely wrong
0: too about my assessment so. that, uh, that it's about audience reaction too, because it, it, because it's really, it's about what, uh, what sparks you more than it is. But for me, maybe it's, maybe I'm a pandering dickwad and just need that audience reaction before uh, I, I can give myself permission to do something. I don't, way.
1: I don't think it's binary. I think it's really a mix of both. For sure. I mean, cause, uh, I remember an old bartender, Nino used to tell me and tell my ma, uh, it was, if a joke, if no one's laughing, then it's not a joke. So one, it's about the style you write and getting engaged in that and finding that creative, uh, stimulation. Um, but also fucking make us laugh. It's that simple sometimes too. just be funny, funny man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But he, he bombed plenty of times. Oh yeah. Well,
1: everyone's going to bomb. Right, but I mean, just when he decided oh, to go this route, stick, yeah. when
0: he decided that he's just going to to completely deconstruct what he what comedy could be, uh, and he set out on this different path, uh, it took a long time. For I don't know if people had to catch up to him or if he had to figure out a, a method of delivery that people could then access, or uh, if it's a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it there's a lot of people that aren't going to get you and.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, your <laughs> was like did he have a stroke? Cause I'm not helping him. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you. Oh, you're- I was grabbing my notes and you were looking at your notes right, at the right. exact same time. Um, By the way, I'm glad that both of us also did notes. This yeah, was yeah. nice. This was nice. Um, yeah, I'm a fucking professional. Yeah, I think if you're gonna do same, uh, <laughs> I try at least, but if you're gonna do something different, um, you can't just make it so different that the audience isn't going to get it, right? And and
0: you can't contrive some, uh, you can't contrive to be different either. Like,
1: no, it has to be natural,
0: right? I well, maybe I don't know. Maybe you could you could contrive this other oh, method. Oh, define
1: in the, okay. Let me let's take it back. Define contrive.
0: All right, so let's say I'm Steve Martin. Then all of a sudden, uh, I decide to do comedy, but in, instead of grinding it out for years and figuring out how it works and all of that, uh, instead I decide. I think I get this. I think what I'm going to do is just uh, completely subvert the nature of punchlines. lines. And yeah. that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to set out to do that. And without any kind of baseline understanding of, of how comedy works. So you see a lot of oddballs that show up in comedy scenes. Yeah. That it's like, I'm going to change the game and, and they don't really put in the time to figure out how to like, change the game.
1: Right. You need to, I think we talked about this on an earlier episode. If you want to do something, if you want to ramble and if you want to go, uh, avant-garde, or even if you want to just have a loose structure, you still need to know how structure works. Right. Right. Either directly or uh, just innately. Yeah. You can't play jazz unless you know what a scale is. Sure. Um, and then chalk that up to Jeremy references jazz again. Um, that's a personal, that's an internal affectation that is just as insufferable. So are we going to talk um, about
0: Ornette Coleman? Or are we going to talk about some avant-garde?
1: So what we're maybe the thing that we're struggling with is he uh, Steve Martin does a thing where he is completely subverting the idea of a setup and punchline. He's mm-hmm. completely subverting it because he has a basis of comedy, and not only that, a basis of showmanship because of his uh magicianship. Yeah. That was the other thing that I found extremely interesting about it is that he pulled
0: from the entire history of entertainment exactly. to build his stage presence. So I,
1: I think they all blend into each other. Like I've, I know certain things about magic that I, I still think about the idea of a force or a kind of a uh, misdirection is all magic stuff. And that works in your joke writing. All comedy is kind of, not all comedy, all entertainment kind of is like this melting pot of tools. Yeah, and so I, think I, I talk like, about that often.
0: Is that uh, uh, you? Like I did, I did crowd work exclusively for three months, and yeah. took, took a lot of shit for that. But I, I like I told people I was, I was sharpening. <laughs> I was sharpening one of the swords in my in my you know arsenal of of uh, comedy tools. So you, yeah, you. I mean, it's it's important to know how to do that, and, we, and at this stage of the game, um, you know. Like take all the chances you can. Of course.
1: Um, And like once you build off those foundations, you can then use all those tools to make something completely different. Sure. And then when he made that completely different thing, he didn't just like, okay, those oddballs at the open mic. Mm -hmm. He didn't just be fucking odd. He then improved and adapted his oddball to be subversive, but also palatable to an audience or understandable to an audience. Sellable even, mm-hmm. um, and so that's that evolution of his standing up is the uh, starting with just understanding how entertainment works, understanding the tension and release. With the bird trick, is I think a good uh, example of the where um, you blow up the paper bag. Yeah, you
0: hit the
1: you hit the bag and the feathers float out. Yeah, or the glove yeah. and a dove trick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the that's him learning uh, the tension of setting up a set a uh, setup and then doing a punchline and then going on to the end and just doing the jerk and doing stuff like that and sure. it's all an evolution everything What evolving. I
0: found interesting is that he didn't even necessarily set out to be a stand-up comedian in no, the first place not at all he was just an entertainer and, and let, let's try this avenue and see if I get a response and he was able to use the uh, stand-up comedy to get himself into folk clubs that uh, otherwise would have been inaccessible to him exactly
1: And did you want to be a comic at the beginning? Because I know I wanted to be a writer as a kid. I wanted to write the great American novel. I I definitely always wanted to be a comic. I think I wanted to be an, as a kid, I thought a comic meant, because I was in the 90s, uh, I thought that meant you did comedy films. Sure. So I wanted to make people laugh, but I thought the only way I could do that is in comedy films. It wasn't until I was older that I thought stand-up and went, this is really cool. And then I did crowd work when I would. we had to do these, presentations every week Mm -hmm. we'd write a story in sixth grade and my computer went out and that's where my story was so i just did crowd work like really basic crowd work with the crowd in order to get them to laugh while the computer was going um and i didn't i didn't know until then but that was as much as i wanted to be a writer and a performer what i wanted to be i didn't know yet was a comic (laughs)
0: I would, I would constantly be formulating ideas in my mind about if I was ever a stand up comedian, this is what I might say on stage. And so you were hyper focused on it. Well, no, not necessarily because I would immediately let those thoughts go. Mm. I I would be like, you're never going to have the balls to do that. So you might as well just forget about that idea and let's just move on. You need to think about more practical things. And, um, it wasn't until I got sick that, uh, that I started to kind of reevaluate my life. And it's like, well, shit! I had 760 injections in the year 2014 in my stomach. I had to go to the hospital twice a day, and after going through that experience, I'm like, I have no fear left. Let's just, uh, let's just do this thing that I've always thought about doing. Yeah, and that was three and a half years ago. I never looked back.
1: It wasn't until I was 18. I was doing shitty jobs, like being a petitioner mm-hmm. to raise the minimum wage, a of, of thing I agree with, but I had to go to small towns and get screamed at. Uh, doing temp, uh, doing uh, call work jobs at uh, call centers that I didn't like. Uh, that I went, fuck it. I, every time I would leave that job, I would go, people ask me, what are you going to do? And I go, I kind of want to do stand up. And then that thought would go away. And it wasn't until I was 21, uh, I just left college because uh, I couldn't afford it, uh, that my brother walked up to me and they said, hey, do you want to come to this open mic? And uh, I did. And like a puzzle piece hit my head uh, that never happened before and mm-hmm. i I, I, st- I didn't stop until i do one day <laughs> <laughs> or or whatever whatever this all is leading to finally Changes. reveals itself hope and that's just day you got to be open to change and yeah. you got to be open to finding new creative paths now steve martin is a um published a uh, blues glass player, um, and his comedy is now less absurdism and more uh casual banter with Martin Short. Yeah. Yeah. Which and it's a blast to watch. Oh, it is. Um his interviews, especially with him and Martin Short uh on late night shows are also a blast. Uh just be opened and adapt to change. Sure. Yeah
0: or i also had an i had a quest or a thought okay, yeah. a thought during uh my recent digesting of the book was uh does entertainment really evolve or do we just uh recycle the same bag of tricks perpetually throughout history do so,
1: are we saying so do entertainers evolve or do, does entertainment entertainment, payment, entertainment period. Period.
0: like comedy itself uh i mean it, it's gone through uh you know many revisions you had lenny bruce who brought truth and street lingo to it for the, for the first time. And then you get, uh, offshoots from that. And then you get the the counterpoints to that. And then you get the counterpoints to the counterpoints. And then, uh, until, you know, basically it's, it's all essentially, we're all just making people laugh.
1: I think the, the thesis statement of making people laugh, if we're going just in comedy and Mm -hmm. specifically, we're going to do just stand up comedy. Um, I think that that thesis statement doesn't evolve, of course, but I think the way we do it, the tools and the tricks we may have, does it really though? I mean, because if you want my, if you want an analogy, and I, that's all I can explain, you have your simple tools, which mm-hmm. are the basis of all tools, and then you have the tools we use today that are more complex. I think like a great example. I was talking to Kionis Barry on the Kionis Barry episode that we did. We talked about Chris Rock. Chris Rock is a great example because Chris Rock in the nineties was. External men are like this, women are like this. Bleh, and that was that was his HBO special. It was funny. Now it's about him and his relationship. Comedy changes now because it's internal and things that we think are okay to laugh about aren't gonna be okay to laugh about. The styles of writing. No one writes a joke like Whoopi Goldberg used to tell a story, right? There's no Robin maybe. Lance. Maybe that's redo. That's due for a resurgence. It might be, but it's gonna be completely different, isn't it? Because of uh. Expectations because of cultural norms, because of uh, cultural, uh, because because of the language of how things can be consumed. Even will it's changed? Will be Goldberg? It's uh, works great on a cassette. Maybe it doesn't work well uh, in a streaming service when it's cut up. Like it might. But be her different. long confessional storytelling techniques. Uh,
0: if someone were to adopt that now, or. Is, uh, just Whoopi Goldberg right. is the the most recent person you referenced but um
1: uh I forgot the guy who did Dolma. he also did a storytelling style sure yeah um
0: but it's just essentially everything old is new again
1: and and that's what's, that kind of yeah. drove
0: that kind of w- is is what uh made Steve Martin who he was because like he, he was vaudeville. drawing from vaudeville yeah. yeah he was drawing from the entire uh history of entertainment he was he was doing using rope tricks he would yeah. use magic he'd use the banjo whatever uh it took and made it new again all of a yeah. sudden he's the, the biggest thing in the 1970s uh doing the same and and it maybe it took the the conceit of deconstructing the nature of a joke before he became who he was
1: i guess i guess the answer to that question and there isn't going to be an answer to that question is steve martin did enough different with vaudeville that i consider it completely different and it's basically how often do we break it down and how many new parts to to Steve Martin's stand-up uh, deconstruction is, can be different enough from vaudeville for us to call it something different. Sure. It's basically the old how many pieces of timber can be removed from a boat right. thing. Um, and so personally for me, I I find them completely different, but a clear link of inspiration. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think everything can change. People have that. No, one notion that I don't agree with is that there are so many ideas in the world and I disagree with that full heartedly is because with so many different viewpoints and expectations and upbringings and, uh, viewpoints, one idea can be viewed endless times in different ways. And so that way, we'll never run out of ideas. Yeah, I suppose there's only so many so many keys on a piano. Right, there's so many keys on a piano, but there's infinite amount of songs. Right, and um, and that's basically that's how I view it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that's a great analogy. Um, but on the other hand, there is a some would say there's still a finite number, and we need to condense it down. Or there's only so many jokes about Tinder you can make before it's just a Tinder joke. Sure. Right. So it, it, it's based off the person and it's really w- about how you want to change. And also the reason why I wanted to do this podcast before it was what inspired you. It was originally Jeremy hoarded a bunch of vinyl albums and comedy uh, records mm-hmm. uh, of stuff. He's I've never heard of before. Like I didn't know Lily Tomlin did comedy. Oh, I sure. only Brilliant knew stuff. Yeah. I only knew her as an actor because um, that's how young I am. I didn't know uh, about laughing And I didn't, and so I started learning about that. I and see that's, and that's the, the entertainment recycle bin is that everything old becomes new again. And learning about that makes you, I think can make you a better comic because you're learning from tools of other people and implying it and growing. It's, it's like a healthy manure that makes you grow. (laughs) (laughs) So so that's all I could think of.
0: That's all Jeremy could think of is he's just sitting in a big in bucket a shit. of shit, a bucket of shit.
1: Yeah, um, but yeah, no, I think you, you grab tools from everything, and then wrap it up in a unique way to make it your own, and then you become you do something that is culturally not culturally creatively inspiring.
0: Sure, and I don't think you can set out to do that. No, you cannot. You can't. You can't set out to and say I'm going to change what comedy is. No, just consume a bunch of it. I th- I think all you can do is figure out. No, this is how I approach comedy. This is the only way I can do it. This is the only way I know how to do it. Um, it's evolved You know, it's it's going to take years of, of forging in the fire and, yeah. and ev- evolution. But uh, mm-hmm. it, eventually, I'm going to come to a conclusion about my approach. And it's like this is this is what came of those 20 years of grinding out. And this is the only way I know how to do it. And I kind of feel like maybe that's uh, that's how Steve Martin uh kind of did it as he consumed all of that kind of entertainment and then he built his uh he built his approach to comedy it's the only way he could do it and then it reached the absolute uh, pinnacle of what is possible and uh, then he realized that's not what he wanted anymore
1: exactly and that leads to that that one thought uh is if I mean, we've all been told it. if it's not fun, don't do it. Sure. If you're not, if this isn't a passion for you, and that's why I kind of liked how I described in the beginning, this isn't an autobiography, this is a biography. Mm-hmm. This is a man. He's a, writing about someone he doesn't know. doesn't anymore. know anymore. This is a completely different part of his life in a completely different era. They're almost two different people. Mm-hmm. Looking back uh, to a person that went from passionate to indifferent about stand-up and seeing that growth and descent. Um and that might happen to you doing comedy, you never know. not, not, I mean, not you, yeah. but like the person, the one person listening. Yeah. Yeah. Which will be me at work. Um, but if you're not passionate, it's okay to quit. Like it's
0: sure. Yeah. If you're not having fun and if you're not, you know, if you, yeah. if you don't feel strongly about it, because I think that works itself out though, because the, the sheer amount of effort that it takes to keep doing this, Yeah. um, I mean, if you didn't like it at all and you kept subjecting yourself to just night after night of open mics and disappointment and just terrible experiences with shitty narcissistic people, I mean.
1: Yeah, I in, in the risk of sounding, getting personal, I was at my therapist office today. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you're in therapy, sometimes your mind just wanders. Um, at least for me, it does. And I'd realized that i have been going there for a year and a lot of times I'm t- I'm i have obsessive. I have OCD, mm-hmm. and I, my my main trigger is human interaction and making sure that I'm not uh, upsetting or being a bother to people. And my hobby and my passion is dealing with people on a regular basis. Sure. So a big stress for me and something I talk to my doctor a lot often involves. So I was at this bar and I was at this club, and I go, and I realized why am I doing this? And I realized that unlike other stuff that I've done that set me, that's made me nervous and I stopped doing, I've never done that with comedy mm-hmm. because the underlying thing is I still fucking love it. Like yeah, you don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. Like it's, it's my, it's my puzzle piece. It's my love. Like moments like that fast and fresh it gave me a sense of elation that I haven't felt in a while or sure. talking on this podcast, which is an extension of comedy to me. It, it makes me feel good. Like yeah. no matter what stress, what bullshit should I go through? All you need to do is I'd just take, take
0: that and, and then forget about all of the other people who are telling you all of, yeah. yeah I mean, we, we spend a lot of time around gatekeepers and people who say you shouldn't be, use this as a therapy session or you shouldn't do this or you shouldn't do that. I,
1: I don't know any other way to do it. Music is therapeutic to a musician. Poetry is therapeutic to a poet. Mm-hmm. Um, and telling jokes is therapeutic to a comic, sure. and that is
0: fine. And whether or not it's it's to uh, work out my issues with not being allowed to express these dangerous hidden truths when I yeah. was a kid, or whatever the case might be, whatever anybody's reason for being on the stage, it doesn't fucking matter. Uh, they have to
1: be there. And- yeah. I think though the caveat to uh, saying it isn't a therapy session is the minute you get on stage to just release some emotions rather than to have fun. Sure. Or maybe that's walk. what you needed to do that day. Maybe. I mean, when it's regular, like when like that's the only right. reason if you're going to if the mics is because you want to get your thoughts out for the day and not because it's fun and you need to, you want to make people laugh. Well,
0: who cares what that guy's reason is, you know? If,
1: I could see, yeah, yeah, yeah. What I mean, I'm, I'm trying to figure. out- I think to, there's
0: this notion that there's a finite amount of time, uh, for stage time, and that that comics who aren't or not even, not even comics, people who go to an open, open mic, mic and are are wasting other people's time by being there. Um, uh, I kind of, I kind of. Uh, that's that's not take umbrage to that notion.
1: That's that's not what I'm saying, but I agree with you. What I'm trying to say is, and may, my words may fail me, and I apologize. Is there's this idea where at the beginning someone's doing comedy and telling their emotions and it's fun. It'll, it gives them a nice little release, whatnot. And then towards the end, they might be the only way I feel good. The only way, the only reason why I'm going to this mic now is because it's habit. And because I don't have a a professional to talk to. Mm -hmm. Um, And at that point I say, take a step out, go talk to someone. Sure. And then come back in. Don't like, uh, if it's not fun, if it's not positive for you, yeah. Then that's what I mean. If it's not positive for you, yeah. get out. If
0: yeah, if it's if it if it becomes a toxic thing for you, then you definitely don't want to keep subjecting yourself to it. But maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I mean I've subjected myself to a I was married for eleven years to a well, okay. I'm not Again, that hour thought. and a half. I won't only complete that me. thought. <laughs> <laughs> but uh that that was all valuable experience in building the person that I am. Yeah. So I don't know. It maybe that maybe that's just uh, my uh, my aversion to people who are self proclaimed gatekeepers that uh, is shining through there. I don't know. Which brings me to another uh, thing that I'd written down during yeah. my note taking session is uh, the the notion of naivete versus hip, hip self awareness. Uh, okay. like with Steve Martin, there was a certain, there was an endearing naivete, but he also had a self-awareness about what he was doing. Yes. Um, uh, I mean, can you, can you do it without the self-awareness? Can you? No.
1: You, you don't you, think you can. You can't, I don't think you can, you can't throw a bunch of shit at an easel and call it art unless you know a little bit about color theory. Mm-hmm. Um, and that naivete comes from the excitement of trying something incredibly new with comedy, but that uh, hipster self-awareness comes from he, when push comes to shove, he still knows what funny is or what acting is or what entertainment is. Uh, self-aware hipster self-awareness comes from uh, a little bit of knowledge. Uh, the naivete comes from using that knowledge to, find something new for you sure. And that's what I, that's where I think that is it's a marriage of those two things which is incredibly difficult to do right and it should be exciting that whole if that's not exciting for you then don't don't go, don't try and venture don't put your XP in that like it should be exciting to want to not know where to go forward
0: sure. I wonder if uh, if he have ever had moments where people are like, put the fucking banjo away, or
1: oh, I bet, yeah, I bet, bet they probably said, hey, stop doing like your banjo at the end of a set, especially because right. the show is three hours, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, what you're doing is bullshit. Yeah, 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 what you're doing is bullshit, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I like to, in all in all talk. I like the I like the guitar. I like the guitar bit. It's fun.
0: It is fun. It is
1: fun. Then that's the only, that's the only important thing about it. Yeah. The only time it wasn't fun was one in the morning after a three hour set. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, no, (laughs) let's move this on (laughs) for sure.
0: And it's taken, it's I've, I've definitely uh, had to take some lumps with that as far as we all have. Yeah. Yeah. But that's part of the growing process, I guess. Well, shit. I was looking. I mean, even even Steve Martin, after he w- had Tonight Show appearances, yeah, eat shit on a Monday night in some crappy Playboy club.
1: He ate shit on the Tonight Show and had to get promoted to uh, guest host only. Right. Yeah. So what I'm like, what hope
0: do I have of filling a room in Nebraska City? When Steve Martin was on the Tonight Show and he had struggled to fill rooms when he was going across the country,
1: just keep taking your lumps, and one day you'll be callous. You'll be callous to lump taking, <laughs> and then then you'll be taking bumps, and you'll be raw to that. So that's that's what I've learned. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. You, I guess you just got to keep doing it
0: because, uh, as as Steve Martin said him himself, that uh, perseverance is a great substitute for talent. <laughs> Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it is.
1: Just keep doing it. Yeah. Um, this was a good book. This is a really good book. I agree completely. Yeah. Um, and, and any other notes in your notebook? Because actually, I I covered mine.
0: You covered all of your notes. I
1: did. I actually started. I uh, I actually started writing my notes during the second half of the book. Sure. So a lot of this was, uh, but then the first half was just more just listening and. It was interesting because I, I took more
0: notes I think in the first half of the book than I did mm-hmm. the second half. But uh, the very last thing that I wrote down was uh, he was he was looking for approval from his father. That was a through line through the entire it thing. Was. And I'm like, oh, Jeremy Plum.
1: <laughs> I gotta admit, once I finished that part, I did have to pause for a minute. And go, oh, I gotta gotta take a breather. It was it was quite it was quite powerful, and I liked it. I enjoyed that. Um, it's not about looking for approval, but it's just uh, making sure you do it, not for uh, somebody, but because of them. Yeah. Yeah. And and maybe we never get to know why. Yeah. Maybe we never get to know why. Right. That will be, that'll be the worst. But Matt, I do have to ask you, uh, if you had to take away anything to learn from this to improve yourself, what would you take away from this book? To improve myself specifically, I think what I took
0: from Steve Martin was that, uh, I should stop asking permission. Mm Mm-hmm. I should just keep doing whatever the fuck it is that I'm going to do and yeah. stop worrying about the validation of others when I do it. Um the only thing that matters is my joy. Whatever it is that I'm getting from it, that's the most important thing. So it doesn't matter uh you know who won at open mic or who, you know, who had the best set that night in that yeah. show or who's getting the best opportunities or or whatever the case might be or uh somebody was talking shit about this or or what. Yeah. None of that stuff matters it it, for me it was uh you know perseverance is a great substitute for talent that's my (laughs) that's my life mantra right now
1: yeah i i i agree mine is consume and learn keep maybe it doesn't have to be comedy related but keep learning about stuff and then applying it like you learn a little bit about stuff you're passionate about one to keep you sane when comedy drives you crazy but also Learning from other ventures allows you to improve your craft more. Sure. And so just or keep just learning. The, the, whole,
0: the whole thing is just one big adventure. This it whole is. life thing is a one big adventure. It doesn't matter if we're doing comedy. It doesn't matter whatever we're doing. Just keep absorbing these life experiences and build whatever the fuck it is that you need to build for yourself out of it. Yeah. I guess that's the the only life advice I can offer to all of the the people from my 39 years of
1: bullshit just make memories that's (laughs) that's what i do i just try and make memories well we're gonna have to get you a job as a hallmark
0: card writer yeah that was the most beautiful thought oh thank i should have just let it go on no we should have just
1: faded out on that (laughs) okay guys just just make memories just make memories um just make memories so i have some questions for you in our little rapid fire segment all right favorite sandwich ruben Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. And any other any
0: other answer to that question is that's what's sauerkraut, right? That's what's sauerkraut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not a fan of sauerkraut. The, I like it a doesn't good matter. It's a Reuben. Okay. It's a okay. Reuben. Okay. All right. I like a good course. Cool well, all right. I'm going to take you out and buy you a Reuben, and if you say anything disparaging about it, I'll slap the shit out of you. I will,
1: I will gladly have a Reuben with coleslaw. That's not a fucking Reuben, dude. All right. Uh, favorite comedians right now? Oh, right now.
0: Um, I don't
1: know, I'm afraid to
0: answer that question for fear of, uh, of social repercussion. <laughs>
1: But my, my pause for a it's an isn't it? <laughs> it's, well, I did love that special. I hadn't like seen it yet. You hadn't seen it no. yet.
0: Yeah. I, I felt like at the, when I was watching it, I was watching it with a group of friends. I won't out them on this podcast, but we were all having a great time watching it. And we realized the subversive nature of some of the things that he was saying. And then I think that that some, some of the, some of the stuff that he said during the special was probably indefensible, um, like when he did the the racist Chinese face bit.
1: But, oh, but that's I felt, in there? No, that's but not
0: I, in there, is it? I, I felt like that was a kind of, that was exactly the point, though, is that he was putting himself on the cross for the rest of comedy. It, yeah. It, so, you know, the fact that it was completely racist and, and, and inappropriate was kind of the point. Okay. Um, I,
1: I don't know if I agree with you with that. Sure. On that, but uh, sure you're
0: 25. You can't possibly <laughs> <laughs> you'll be fucking lynched in Benson if you agree with this. So,
1: um, and it, so what's your favorite comedians right now?
0: Um, so I don't know. I, Mark Marin has always been kind of my Her guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. so I ugh, shit, who else? I don't, I haven't been watching a lot of comedy lately. Really? Yeah. That's the problem is that when you're grinding it out, like Five days a week, you just don't get time to sit. Down. Okay, um, Bert Kreischer, and I'll and I'll explain why. Okay, uh, I think. Well, first of all, he's a fucking great comic. There's yeah. there's no doubt about that. But uh, when my, when my daughter had to go to a counseling session. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were driving back from Lincoln, and I put on a uh, Burt Kreischer album, the, yeah. the Machine album. Okay, yeah. And because I thought this would be a great way to for us to kind of bond over something. Mm-hmm. And she had a great time all the way, all the whole drive home, that's all she could talk about. And it, I mean, it was so much fun, and, yeah. and we shared that moment. Uh, but then... After we shared that moment, I found out that she was starting to introduce all of her middle school friends to to Burt Kreischer, and uh, and I don't know if they're all getting the right takeaways from his because they don't have an, a father to shepherd them through no, this. No, no, they but, do not. Um, the like they'd watch the Machine Story YouTube clip. And their big takeaway was, fuck yeah, we should move to Russia, which I'm like, oh shit, shit. I'm responsible for the corruption of an entire middle school. And uh, there's nothing I can do about it. I mean, the cat's out of the bag now, but... uh, um, Especially when when they all move to Russia now. Right
1: right now is not a good time to move to Russia, kids. Right.
0: But the... My fear is, is that, uh, you know, maybe if if they're not old enough to properly contextualize Burt's Bits, that, uh, you know, maybe they might not uh, uh,
1: get the what they should be getting. Getting from the, it? I, I don't know. Yeah. Burt's Bits is actually my least favorite B-Wax product. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was less of a knockout of the park. Just like a nice... Like it's like a, like a like, little right. bunt. Yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah, cool. Um, but it was, it was, like I said, it was
0: a, an ex- it, it was a really cool bonding moment for me and my daughter that I'm always going to cherish. And now like, she'll look at me when we're out somewhere and she'll reference some Burt Kreischer bit and she'll yeah. be like, when in doubt, spread them out. I'm like, Shut
1: the don't f- no, don't get- Do that. <laughs>
0: don't. You're going to get me in so much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> my fiance is going to kick my ass because I, I did that. But you yeah, know, the The special that I showed her uh, didn't have anything that I thought was too aggressively inappropriate.
1: (laughs) Well, that's good. Yeah, I mean, you're the dad, so right, um, right. Um, one of the one of the things I've been consuming comedy is uh, one of my new favorite like films is Airplane. Sure. Holy shit, Airplane! I wish I didn't know. I wish I didn't know some of the jokes beforehand. Mm -hmm. Like I wish I could go in blind for Airplane, and I'm bummed that I can't. But on the other hand, um, it's, it's a phenomenal film. And the idea of taking a serious plot, uh, a serious script and add and start and like uh, scaffolding jokes on top of it mm-hmm. is a, is a great, great idea. Uh, still keeps the tension going. Um, it still has, uh, nothing is lost in the sake of jokes. Jokes are now on top of it. Uh, and it's fantastic. Sure. Yeah. Um, So that's my recommendation is go watch Airplane. We all fucking did that in 1980, bro. And and UHF. Like I just, UHF is fucking great and I love it. Uh, And it's one of saw this. I saw this new comedy show the other day, MASH. You ever hear of MASH? MASH reminds me of being in the hospital (laughs) at three in the morning and I love MASH. (laughs) I do love Match. I also have the book from uh, that's been inspired of. It. It's also it's a fun book. Yeah, uh, not nearly as funny. Yeah. Um And uh, I've heard good things about the Seinfeld. I think it's gonna pick up heat. I, he might. Uh, he might show. have a career
0: ahead of him. That yeah. Guy.
1: Yeah. You ever hear this Cheers?
0: That I've heard good things about.
1: You've Cheers. been to the Cheers bar. Uh, no, I have. Oh, when I was in Boston, I went to the second cheers bar. Ooh, I've been um, to Boston. I was for deals. a work trip. It's not right. impressive, mm-hmm. um, but I did get like a little nice little mug. Um, It has the vibe of a TGI Fridays, but I also like, I, I just drank a lot and it was cheap. So it was yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. No one screamed my name when I walked in. There. Sure. Yeah. And uh weirdest open mic experience. Weirdest open mic experience. Ooh, I've had a lot of those, man. Um,
0: Ooh trying to think of a specific example because I've, there's been some, Oh, 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 I remember. So we were standing, uh, outside of Barley street or I was standing outside of Barley street one night and I, and I pulled the door open for this guy and he's a creepy looking white dude. And he looks me like square in the eyes with this weird energy. And he said, uh, how's your soul, man? And I'm like, I, I don't know, bro. <laughs> Fine. Uh, and so then that he went in and didn't think about it. And I'm standing there by the ATM machine in Barley and uh, Sean Flaherty's up on stage. And I hear him say something to the effect of you. Th- if you think you can do it, then come up here. And that's no the, the, the guy, that guy gets up there. And uh, as he's approaching the stage, uh, Sean body checks the guy the, uh, this guy. Been- I actually remember this. Were you there? I think I was. Right.
1: I was in, I was in the
0: audience okay. of this one. I was standing by the ATM having a panic attack and turning completely white. I think I was going into shock. I remember shock.
1: you walking up to me and telling about this guy yeah. after the
0: encounter. Right. Yes. Yeah.
1: Holy shit.
0: Yeah. And so uh, I thought that my soul was gonna be cleansed or some sort of weird shit was gonna happen that night, but he had was basically screaming racist things and getting beaten up. And he got pulled out of the of the uh, Barley Street Tavern and yeah, had his yeah. head bounced off of the the sidewalk a few times, I guess. I and- remember
1: people saying like, Greg's a sweet old man and, go, and people being surprised oh. when I say that he can throw down. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Greg is Greg an older man. Yeah. Uh, like old enough to be a grandfather to me uh, but I've seen him jump over that bar and just beat people's ass in if they're causing a fuss. Right. Um, surprisingly agile. Like yeah. It is.
0: Uh, he,
1: he, yeah, he, don't fuck around at Barley He Street. hired me as a bouncer, and I went, I don't know why. One, I don't know why me, but also why do you need a bouncer? If anything happens, Greg, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, but it was,
0: it was just the weird experience of having him look me square in the eyes and say that weird yeah. thing to me. And then all of a sudden start this. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, this guy's going to come back and shoot up the place. I don't know what's happening tonight. Uh, and then I went up and did comedy a few minutes after that. Oof. Oof.
1: I had a great set. Yeah. 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 Uh, a couple of weeks ago at backline, mm-hmm. there was a, a woman in high heeled shoes and a red dress get up on stage. She was pissed drunk. Mm-hmm. She had a bottle of crown apple. She then fell with the mic in hand and just started screaming. Uh, And that was weird. And that was interesting. Uh, so that's,
0: that's just drunk woman stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. It doesn't happen a lot of backline. No, no, not, not a whole lot. No. Usually
0: they can control themselves there, but, yeah. uh, uh, yeah. And then there was a show at the Peru VFW that
1: one time where the one where the fight broke. Yeah, out. you were there. I right? was not, I was on the next one. Oh, you were on the next
0: one. I was one. on the next one. Right. So a comic, uh, there, there's some townies, because uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it was Peru, Nebraska. They yeah. were getting a little bit Yo, noisy. Let's make
1: that louder. This is Peru, Nebraska, not Peru. Right. right. Okay. Right. Right, 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 right. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, and so this, uh, this, these townies are starting to get, uh, Hatfield and McCoy's stuff is going on yep. in the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, in a, a comic, I won't, I won't say who, uh, was on stage at that time. And, and he looks him square in the eyes and says, shut the fuck up. And they did not appreciate that at all. No, um, no. And so there, a fist fight broke out yeah. and, Andrew Hannis, uh, uh I got to see uh, he, he no longer does comedy but I got to see his true colors that night uh because I I had never seen this look in his eyes but he had this look of elation and excitement that this was happening and he jumps over a table and gets in the middle of the action and I'm like oh I thought he was this sweet Cubs fan kid no he's got the eye of the tiger man he, he <laughs>
1: Oh, I remember, remember the second show, uh, they, I walked in, lady, the bar goes, pick a number. And I went, uh, 12 and had, had Bill's like, pick a, pick a, pick a day of the week. And Bill did and I go, okay, perfect. This guy just won a rifle. And I go, what the fuck did I just walk in on? Oh yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Had, I was
0: uncomfortable. <laughs> we had Rome, uh, posing with, uh, some of the local Peru guys with, uh, uh, rifles and, and beer.
1: Yep. I remember that. Yeah. I remember making fun of the one guy and calling him Santa Claus at priors. That was, that was fun. Sure. Yeah. Uh, what's the favorite joke that you tell right now? Yeah.
0: Oh shit. I don't know. I kind of like the bits that I do about the, this, the self-deprecating bits about how my kids, uh, uh, don't take my comedy seriously at all. So you have smart kids. Yeah. I have smart kids. I went to my 13 year old daughter's room and said, Hey, do you have a joke idea for me? She looked me in the eyes and she said, I don't know, Dad, your comedy career is kind of a joke, and slammed the door in my face. (laughs) 13 year olds are savages. That song was called My Kids Are Assholes. <laughs> Actually, after the KPAO taping. So, yes. my uh, my daughter got to come see me do comedy for the very first time. My daughter and stepson got to see me do yeah. comedy. My stepson had seen me before, but this was my far- my daughter's first time. And she go and we go to the KPAO st- KPAO studios and it's beautiful there. And it was a really fun show and it was a packed house. And I had a great set and it was so much fun. And the next day I, I got to talk to my daughter about it. And I'm like, so uh Melody, what what did you think about all that? That was pretty cool, huh? She's like, Yeah, dad, it was awesome. The uh the water cooler had hot water and cold water and <laughs> it. it was really cool. Oh it, shit, really? Yeah. That was her only I, takeaway from the whole fucking experience is that the hot water that the water cooler had hot water and cold water that came out of it. Jesus. Yeah. My kids are fucking stupid. What do you want?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, they just value the right things. Right. right no. <laughs>
0: That's the other one. No, I, I don't mean that if my kids are listening you're you're not fucking stupid, but you yeah. kinda are. You know you are. Amen. I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. No, listen,
1: really. we normally clip things for promos yeah. and this one may not be the one we use for a promo, but it is the one that I email Sarah to give to your kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the part I give them. <laughs> and I'm, no, co- I'm going to cut the apology art where you say, no, you're not really that dumb. I'm gonna I, give I, that I kept, part. I kept, I kept disowning it though. Cause I was whispering into the mic. Of, yeah. But you're kind of, no, 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 like, yeah. Just that one sentence in the beginning where you just call them a dumbass. <laughs> yeah. yeah. like,
0: that's, I that's get, what I'm keeping. Yeah. No context. This is Matthew Blevins from I 29 comedy <laughs> <laughs> productions in, my kids are fucking dumbasses.
1: Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> Did you get that nice and clean? Oh, that was clean. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, I guess I just got—I made my bed. I gotta just yeah. Lie fuck it yeah. Out. yeah!
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll tag Sarah in the uh, in the promo. Oh,
0: Christ, I'm so fucking in trouble. after yeah.
1: this is over with. <laughs> so
0: I was getting married on October 19th, but uh,
1: oh yeah, we got to get this one done quick. <laughs> <laughs> If we could release this right on the 19th, I don't care what day of the week that is. I'm just fortunate that
0: nobody's going to listen to it because neither one of us, no, nobody cares about our We've, opinions.
1: It's been growing steady at the same number every I know, week. but they're going to see that, that, that I'm I...
0: on it, and it's like, I
1: huh. will make up a name. All right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah you other guy. You're a Chicago comic. Yeah, 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 I'm a Chicago know. comic. Raymond Owens. <laughs> I've been doing it for 15 years. I'm kind of a big deal. And- oh, no, this part will cut. I'll just say Raymond Owens, and then just be Matt Bellevins five seconds in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but do plug I 29 comedy productions for no apparent reason. If I'm not
1: playing me at this point, uh, yeah. we still need to make sure we get those Facebook yeah. likes. Of course. Um, and of course you can like the running the light on Facebook. No, I don't guess. do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of my newer favorite jokes that I like is after through the hard way bit, it was Brandon Cordes is talking to us about how to use a prostate massager. It mm. was his entire bit that yeah. was during the art gallery show. Right. And, uh, him and I, we would sometimes get drinks and we sometimes talk. We sometimes still talk about getting a prostate massager. And my new, I have a joke about being nervous about the shiver down my spine and whatnot. And it wasn't until I ran that joke by Mora, and she looked at me and goes, you know, that's an orgasm, right? And it is, it is my new favorite ending to that joke. Sure. That I am afraid of an orgasm, which is something that I didn't know, but also deep down I knew. <laughs>
0: My takeaway from that was, is that you and Brandon Cordes co-signed on some sort of prostate <laughs> massager because that's how, yeah, you guys co-signed on it. You both bought one is what it sounded like.
1: No, I, uh,
0: that entire through
1: the hard way bit will almost felt like a sales
0: pitch. Yeah. Yeah. And they sold you. It was, it was a good sell. It was, it so was. So if anybody out there is selling prostate massagers, I adamandeve.com or anybody,
1: Honestly, Brandon Cordes would give the best. Th- the main selling point is there's a hidden G spot right up your ass uh, and that should excite anyone with a prostate like you get you get to have orgasm 2.0 it's like web 2.0 it's way more interactive that's so you 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 uh actually did this i know this whole joke is about how i really want to but oh, my but ocd afraid. is my ocd is stopping me sure.
0: well, i thought you had the spine shivering thing that maura called well, when i'm
1: afraid i'm afraid of the spine shivering because oh, i've had it with certain Afraid of, I'm afraid, I'm afraid of an orgasm. Uh, most people like yeah. face first. And, yeah, and, I've learned that there's a lot wrong with me that I did not know. Sure. Yeah. Just keep adding to the list. Yeah, it's a long list. It's a long list. But that's why it's my favorite joke now. It's just, uh, it's just me discovering things about me in real time, uh, and I like that. Sure. Yeah. Um. And why do you keep telling jokes? I
0: I don't have a choice. I need the validation and approval of strangers. So I mean that helps.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I've met you long enough. That is the case. That is the case. Um, Blevins, I had a great time talking to you.
0: Yeah, uh, me you, too. Uh, it, that was
1: atypical for one of our you that know, was, actions. it yeah. was, it was quite, it was quite, uh, quite actually good. But, um, <laughs> what I do want to know, and I think this is really important is where can people find you? on social media.
0: Oh, I thought maybe I was going to no. be wandering in the woods. I, well, like, I didn't know where this was going. This, you seem like the type that's into it. Yeah, this, yeah. I mean, the house is sold and everything, and I'm like, I wandered into this basement, and like, Jeremy's asking me, where can people find you? That sounds ominous as fuck. Because they won't, right, Matt, remember right. this. Where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Facebook at Matthew Blevins comedian or you can find me on Twitter at the blevo but really just go to i-29 comedy productions that's where you're, you're gonna find most of our stuff and we're gonna have uh new monthly shows at the new uh, uh big canvas theater that they're nice. building in the nice. in the Blackstone district right so yeah I know that we're, we're gonna have a monthly uh let's see it's gonna be third Saturdays at 11 p.m we're gonna have never too late to laugh mm-hmm. and so uh we're gonna have that and we're gonna have uh I think second Fridays, we're gonna have Heads Up 7-Up, which is gonna be a clean showcase, kind of like uh, a,
1: Tony was, was talking about that to me. Sure. I know about that one, yes. He, he let you on that? No, uh, basically, uh, I, I didn't, to to I didn't get the thing. approval. Uh, I yeah. didn't know, well, he didn't say no. He uh, didn't say no. And so that's, uh, but he did say, remember, don't swear. And I think my response was, does fuck count? That's uh, cute. It's, it's adorable. That's, that's cute. Um, like that. But uh, yeah, uh, you can find me at Plum Jeremy. uh, Oh, we're talking about your shit now? Yep. All right. Fuck off. (laughs) Plum Jeremy uh, on Twitter. All right. uh, Running the light on Facebook. uh, And uh, Plum Jeremy on Instagram. All right. And yeah. Uh, and if you haven't found the podcast yet, you can find it on uh, Spotify, Google and Apple and SoundCloud and Stitcher. Wait a second. How how are they I don't fucking know you man. say that it's right amazing. now. It's amazing. I yeah. don't get it, but yeah. uh, I like ending it that yeah, way. I haven't found. Um but if you're listening to the podcast, I hope we made your work day, your commute, your workout just a little bit better.